Carlos, and welcome back to another episode of the Eaton Asphalt Podcast following the Spanish Grand Prix. As always, I am your host, Ian. And I am Marco. And we are back after a good weekend, a Grand Prix that typically isn't necessarily the most exciting, but boy, do we have a good one. Total chaos, uh, like a lot of, I mean, uh, championship change in both the drivers and the constructors. I don't think we could have asked for more for that weekend. Yeah, there was highs and lows often throughout for both teams, like or for all teams throughout. So yeah, I mean, I think a lot to cover. Yeah, let's get right into it. On today's episode of the podcast, we will go through our good, bad, and ugly of the Spanish Grand Prix, a little race recap, race haikus, and a race predictions recap. And then we're also going to look forward to the Monaco Grand Prix, cover our Grand Prix view of that Grand Prix and talk about some race predictions there. So let's get right into it and talk about our good, bad, ugly. Marco, why don't you start us off? Sure will. My good is going to be dash cams. I think dash cams have really changed my perspective on a lot of crashes, a lot of run-ins these past couple of years. I typically, you know, kind of go into it. Who did what? Was it Valtteri or George last year? Was it Lewis or Max last year dissecting these? And I think another one came up to me uh, this past weekend. So for instance, that Lewis Kevin crash at the beginning of the race that really made me feel like it was Kevin's fault. He was, you know, pushing up on Lewis, tried to maybe gain a little advantage, went a little too far, bumping. Uh, taking a look and kind of curious, but took a look at Mick's dashboard and it did show Lewis taking a quick jolt to the left on that turn. Uh, it wasn't much, but for me, it was enough to completely flip that judgment on like who to blame on that. I think it was still enough for a racing incident, but um, that was unexpected movement that I did not see initially. For sure. Yeah. I like when I saw mixed dash dash cam, like uh, a lot of people were saying on Twitter, two things. One, it's always like the people at the top of uh, like social medias of F1 Twitter will always say 60, 40, like no matter what. Um, and the other one was like uh, some Lewis stands were like, I didn't see anything that Lewis could have done differently. <laughs> and I think in the views that we had, I agreed with yeah. that. Except when I saw a mixed cam, it was like, ah, he did twitch to the left. Like, yeah. I don't think he was the one that made it happen, but his car did. Where it's like, he could have done something different. So yeah, I agree. That was good to add like a little more context instead of just, you know, half of the half of the piece of the puzzle. Yeah, the bird's eye view only, only does so much. Exactly. You know. Uh, my bad is going to be not letting the boys race. So Horner and his crew had pretty easy stroll to the finish line uh, for both drivers. Instead of making it fun for the fans, letting the guys really battle out for the win, uh, he pulls that like, hey, Checo, remember when you came to us and you said, and we told you, hey, you're not going to be the number two driver. It's not like a one-two scenario. <laughs> um, well, we actually don't remember that. So uh, scoot over your number two, let our number one by. So I think like it was a fun race. A lot, a lot of things happened. Uh, but uh, yeah, for the one, two to maybe fight it out a little bit more, they had it pretty much in the bag unless something crazy happened. Like let them, let them go for at least a couple laps and see what happens. Yeah, I, I get that perspective. We'll, we'll talk about it when in Red Bull because I have a, I have a dissenting opinion, but uh -huh. I, I totally understand. Like not letting people race is very frustrating from a viewer standpoint. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, and my ugly is going to be allowances um, because a recent report stated that a few of the team's allowances are running a bit thin and that cap space is taking its toll really early in the season. Seems like specifically Mercedes and Red Bull will not be partaking in too many car upgrades for, uh, you know, much longer. A couple other teams are running up there. It seems like Ferrari 
they're saying, you know, still has a little bit more left in the bank than the others. But, uh, man, this is like the first year that we're really getting to see like a major cap impact this early in the season. I mean, typically, I mean, if you're asking Christian Horner, it seems like inflation is due to <laughs> a majority of this. So, I mean, maybe it's just the tough times that we're in, you know, COVID, getting off COVID. It's just that damn inflation that is, you know, running your bills up triple the, the typical cost. It is the most Christian Horner and Red Bull thing ever to blame like them overspending on inflation. And like when he was talking about other race, other uh, teams, he was like this, you know, it's not just going to be us. Like several teams in the midfield feel the same way. And then Otmar Safnauer came out being like, yeah, no one, no one in the midfield feels that right now. So it's like, so. it's, like it's not just us. It's everybody else. It's like, yeah, maybe us in three months, like we, we actually planned. Yeah. Not, we weren't just, you know, willy-nilly and spinning. <laughs> That's a good one. And that does it for my good, bad, and ugly. All right. Well, my turn then. My good, I'm going to start out on a positive note here with uh, TV direction. I think, especially probably relative to the last couple of races, the TV director was really on their game today. Felt like we saw the important battles and overtakes that were taking place. Didn't seem like a lot of that was missed this time around. Um, and that like, it just, it makes me so much happier leaving it, uh, like leaving a race weekend being like, okay, you know, like we saw what we needed to see. Like there wasn't anything that you have to go back and, and rewatch or like look at dash cam for. So yeah, it makes a big difference if you're watching the broadcast. Glad they got that right. My bad is going to actually have two because we had such a crazy weekend. Okay. So here we go. So my uh, bad is going to be drone footage. Uh, mm -hmm. They were trying some new things today that, speaking of that TV crew, uh, got a little cocky. I think they were feeling themselves and tried to go with some drone footage. It wasn't, this is my take on it, like not bad footage. If it were in a standalone video for like a social media post or something, I do think it would be cool. It was just like, don't go from your fucking 800K, you know, mega HD to something that looks like it was like shot on a potato that gives you motion sickness. Like I appreciate the test. But I just feel like they brought it in too early if the cameras aren't going to be, like, as good, you know? Yeah. No, I fully agree. It seemed like I was drunk watching <laughs> some of that. So, like, this is – this brings – there's, just like, a good weird feeling about this that I've seen this before. Oh, yeah. It's, like, when I'm 12 shots. Deep, exactly. And I'm watching the cars where I'm, like, oh, everything is spinning. Um, I do – would like to say before you continue, um, your good was TV direction. But your bad was specifically drone oh, footage okay. of the TV direction. Okay, so it can't be. Is it like it, the TV direction could have been great, but the drone footage brought it down to just a good. Yeah, it's oh, good. Okay. It's good, bad, ugly. It's okay. not like amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Bad. No, it's not like awesome. So yeah, they have improvement points for sure. Exactly. Okay. Uh, my bonus bad is going to be narcs who think it's fun to drug test because Lewis Hamilton was late to the pen for his media interviews because he was doing a random, totally random. Yeah anti-doping slash drug test. This also happened in Brazil when he gained those 25 positions to win, going from the back of the grid and basically getting another penalty, um, you know, and, and winning. He also had to take a little PP test. Uh, so yeah, thank you for the concern, FIA, but try not to be nerds. And if you are nerds, try not to make it so obvious that you're nerds because yeah, like Marco said, I think it was your bad. You gotta let the boys race. Can't get, you know, drug tests in the mix here, right? Yeah. Um what are the drugs that, like, there should be three drugs that they look at. It should be, like, Adderall, cocaine, and something similar. HGH. I, I, yeah, I don't think, like, if they're doing steroids, it'd be like, I think this is going to hurt you in the long run. <laughs> yeah, not a good idea. You want to be You'll small. be slower. Yeah, exactly. So I think they're, like, that should be, like, three drugs that they test out. It's like, if it's going to improve your focus and, like, reaction time, 
That's it. So, but you can do anything else you want. Can you imagine if Lewis tested positive for cocaine? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that would be sick. There would be a whole faction of Twitter that was just devastated because of the, you know, they think he's their Lord and Savior. And how, yeah, how, how do you spend that? Like, is this your king? This cocaine Everyone addict? does it. They just tested Lewis. <laughs> All right. So those are my two bads. I also have two uglies. Uh, my first ugly is going to be rappers in F1. So Drake, very popular Canadian rapper. Put down a $300,000 bet for Charles Leclerc to win the race. And similar to other large bets that he has made public, I don't know why people do this, uh, it did not hit. So he said it was his first time betting on F1. And he joins me and many others in realizing that, like, you can, if you bet on basketball, you can probably know, like, at least, you, can, you know, it's not, like, immediate. Like, you, you know, if they're down super bad at halftime, yeah. you can be like, okay, this is probably not going to hit. I don't know of any other sport that like one third of the way in, you can completely lose, like lose that bet. Like, can you think of anything that's like that? I can't. I am struggling. To, I mean, like maybe bowling, if he starts pulling away, it's like, you know, your limit, but like, I can't actually physically come back. That's true. But I mean, you got to be pretty different in bowling. Yeah. Like, you can't be that good. In bowling. Yeah. It was just like, I, I was thinking about it. Like, 20, I was like mid 20, high 20, like a uh, number of laps in the race. And like Charles is ahead nine or 10 seconds. It's like, okay, this is a great bet. Like I'm glad I did this. And then not because of Charles fault, not because of somebody else crashing into Charles. It's like, oh, randomly, oh, your car's out. Like yeah. $300,000 gone. Thank you very much. See ya. Yeah, <laughs> bye. Uh, in my last ugly, it's more of a uh, tip of the hat to our boy, Lloyd, Lauren Stroll. Aston Martin, if you remember us talking about this on the last episode of the podcast, came in pretty hot this weekend. A lot of upgrade talk, how their car was really just an old Red Bull car, which should scare people because that Red, that RB18 was fast. You know, people on Twitter starting to get a little worried and and some people excited like of like okay, maybe this team can come out of nowhere, give us three, maybe four teams that can root we can root for to maybe get a win. Uh, and they both were out in Q1. So just like props to the Aston Martin PR team. Yeah. That was like, hey, y'all better watch out. Like, we're coming. <laughs> you didn't expect this upgrade. <laughs> yeah, dude. They come to a completely different, yeah, with a completely different car. And they're like, all right, everybody, here we come. Yeah. And both drivers are out. I would love to have seen the headline of like Red Bull drops all allegations against Aston Martin for, <laughs> right. for taking their. Don't worry about it, guys. Even if you did, I think we're fine. Thank you. <laughs> All right, so that'll wrap up our good, bad, and ugly, and we can move on to our race recap. Start with the quals and free practice. So just as everyone expected, the Ferrari upgrade weekend started with the 1-3 in quals with Max splitting the two. It was kind of like, hey, you know, we are, we're back. That 0.7 uh, kilogram difference in our paint is going to be the real key, uh, key differentiator here. Um, and yeah, Max had, I, I was listening to Max's radio, and it seemed like he was pretty frustrated just with how everything went. Um, but still ended up on the front row. So I don't know how frustrated you can really be. But, uh, but yeah, that was something that was of note. And then I think uh, kind of dark horse MVPs for getting the most out of their car are Val Valtteri Bottas and Kevin Magnussen right now. Like I think, you know, very strong showings. Not the, you know, not the best cars. They're probably not going to win a Grand Prix this year. But you know, it's all about like doing the best with what you got. And I think both of these guys are really doing it. So yeah, those are those are kind of the the two quals and free practice things. Anything to add? 
No, I, I fully agree on that. I mean, everyone says to see your actual performance, you got to look at your teammate. Yeah. And if you're looking at both of their teammates, um, there's a huge, huge gap between the two. I think Valtteri has all but one of the Alpha Romeo points. So he is singly, single-handedly battling for like third or fourth place right now uh, with McLaren. So good for him. I looked at, I saw that earlier when I was looking it up. Yeah, Joe Guanyu has a point. A, a point. That's crazy. Yeah. The Valtteri is doing that well when he has one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was great. Moving to our fifth place team, we have, like we just mentioned, Alfa Romeo. Valtteri Bottas started P7, ended P6, and Guanyu Zhou P15. So just making it into Q2 and a DNF to finish that off with a total of 39 points, as we said. Valtteri Bottas, 38 of those. Uh, Guan Yu Zhou with a second DNF in a row, uh, thanks to the team. So I don't know if like it's the Alfa Romeo mindset of being like, hey, we're not that competitive. Um, I think just to like, you know, we don't want to get your ego too high. He's shown some good showings. I know you were pretty high on him the first couple races. If they're yeah. like, hey, we cannot see show him kicking ass this much. A little bit of hazing, not get his head too big, not have like other better teams being like, hey, maybe we poach. So I think this could be potentially, um, yeah, like an inside job. It's actually a genius move. They're like trying to not let people poach him. Yeah. We're like, oh, he's, he's like, a- look at his numbers. One point, one, one point. point. Don't touch him. Alex Albon has more <laughs> points than that. Uh, yeah. And then uh, on the other hand, as we keep mentioning Valtteri Botas, P8, P5, P7, P6 in the last four races. Uh, so it seems like, you know, if Joe's garage can figure out what the problem is, I think that's an easy pass for McLaren. I like, I think the one caveat of what we say, like, look at your other driver to see how, you, how well you're doing. I think Lando is just, he's doing well for what he's doing. I think it's just Danny's just doing that for, you know, yeah. it's not like as great as he, like, it's, I think it's a little different on the performance of the car where Alfa Romeo is compared to McLaren. Um, but man, I mean, he is just killing it. Yeah. It just seems like to me, this smells of like, they, it seems like McLaren will probably end up higher than them. Just given like, you know, McLaren being McLaren, but I could see them in the next race. All it takes is, I mean, we know Danny's probably not going to have a good race. Let's be <laughs> <laughs> and then Lando going out with something unlucky, like, you know, they could get a big points weekend and, and pass them up in the constructor's team. And speaking of their uh, people that they're trying to get ahead of, McLaren, Danny Ricardo starting off P9 after a good qualifying, ending up in Q3. Uh, he did finish out of the points in P12. Lando Norris actually out in Q2, so started P11 and then ended up P8. So uh, I think the big point for McLaren here was Lando had his flu game. He was sick the whole time. Like, they showed him in the driver's parade. He had to sit down. It was also super hot. So, like, imagine being sick, it being hot, and then the, you know, physical toll that driving an F1 takes on you, and an F1 car takes on you. Like, that was a really impressive finish from him. Uh, and, yeah, with all that, still four positions ahead of his teammates. So, it's like, come on, guy. Like, we <laughs> McLaren fans really need uh, Danny Ricardo to get on his horse here. Because, you know, finishing out of the points, like, again, that makes four out of six races with no points for, uh, you know, Danny bringing home. So, uh, like, that sucks. And then what mega sucks for him is, like, just seems like the clock's ticking. Like, I don't I don't see how they're really – McLaren's going to be able to put up with letting Danny see out his entire contract if he's, you know, scoring points two out of the six races. Like, if that is the, if that is the equal proportion at the end of the season, I think they have – more than a good case to be like, hey, we gotta we gotta split, you know, and, and move our separate ways.
is. Yeah, I don't think he is an inexpensive driver. I no. mean, I think he, like popularity wise and like just a guy that is really based off of like a couple spark plugs, but strong, what, four years ago? Yeah. Like he's just, yeah, that, that time is definitely ticking out. For Lando, um, with him being so sick and it was pretty apparent, do, you, do they force him to do the driver's parade? With like, hey, he's like, dude, I'm throwing up. He's like, get the fuck out there. I don't know. That's a good question. I know they, they didn't make him do the media interviews, yeah. which I know comes with a huge fine, like if you don't do that. And so, like, yeah, it seems crazy that the one that they would make him do is like, hey, go be a media, media pen is covered. Like, you're not getting sun there. So instead, they're like, hey, go out onto this boiling hot track with super bad sun and, like, sweat it out there. Yeah, I'm sure you're a little dizzy, so we'll get on you at, like, the back of the truck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Great idea. All right, that does it with our McLaren recap. We're going to hit on Mercedes, the P3 with 120 points. Lewis Hamilton started P6, made up one point to P5. George Russell, similar, P4 to P3, so he made podium. George has just been on fire. Continuing his top five streak, getting his second podium with Mercedes, it has been very impressive. And it has been pretty much from the first race of the season that we've seen Maybe like maybe one race outside of that, but it's been the George Russell show for Mercedes this year. Yeah, definitely. On the other hand, while we're talking high about George, Lewis did have, as we had mentioned, a fantastic effort. Having that iffy bump into Magnuson, no matter whose fault it is, on the first lap, brought him back to P19 and got to P5 with no safety car. That was tremendous driving for him. Well-deserved driver of the day for Lewis. Uh, overall, Mercedes upgrades seemed like the porpoising was going away. It didn't seem like Lewis was not leaving the track in like a neck brace. This is, I think, the first time I've seen him not do that. So I think it's really doing well. Uh, it seems like they're starting to get stuff figured out. But I think that with if this cap issue is coming true, I don't know if they're going to have enough resources and money to cut the difference and actually like make it competitive with the other boys up top. Yeah, I mean, they got to just be waiting for Red Bull to, to start like not being able to bring upgrades when upgrades are necessary. And then, yeah, they, I think they're counting on other people dwindling down the order rather than them really shooting up. But you like know. you think they were like, that was we that was our biggest get right now. And then we have to just straight chill for a while. I wouldn't be surprised. And they're like, still it, like point seven slower or something yeah like i I just think with like the the porpoising being gone is huge like that was there the mercedes fans on twitter were relentless of how like they were just like it did feel to me like well fuck we are gonna have to deal with this again like they're they're not they're essentially gonna be back to where they were and i think uh you know lewis sector times all throughout qualifying in different areas were like i think either fastest or third fastest, like fastest fastest and then third fastest so yeah i don't know i've We'll, we'll see, but I think they're in like a good spot with their car right now, and I wouldn't be surprised if they just kind of wait for people to dwindle. But who knows? I'm an idiot. <laughs> I like your take. Whatever. Fuck <laughs> Speaking of idiots, Ferrari. <laughs> uh, next up, Ferrari. Uh, Charles Leclerc getting pole and then having the dreaded pole to DNF race. Carlos Sainz getting, uh, starting on the second row in P3 and then going down to P4. So... Uh, this is big, man. Charles' interview after the race and after his DNF, you could tell it looked like he had tears in his eyes. He was probably just hot and super like unenthused with everything that was going on. But uh, man, he like going from 
19 points at the top of the driver's championship and then having, you know, another DNF from, from your team uh, going six points behind P1. It just sucks, man. Like it's, it's not his fault. He was, like I said earlier, like pulling away nine, 10 seconds at the top, um, like in P1, he had clear air. It seemed like his race. And then all of a sudden it just got taken away. So yeah, like, uh, you know, happens in the sport obviously, but I just think that sucks so bad for him. As Carlos is concerned, Carlos is really, you know, George Russell's on a streak of just getting top five. Carlos is on a streak of like crashing every single weekend or spinning out every single weekend. Seems like all the time, be it in practice qualifying or the race, uh, if he's not hitting the wall, he's coming pretty damn close to it in the gravel. So yeah, I think it's, it's, he's like, he, he's in his head. It seems like, because the performance, as we said earlier, the biggest, you know, mark of, uh, of performance is how you do against your teammate. He's getting whomped by his teammate. The starts never seem to be good. Um, you know, it, it just seems like he doesn't have it. So yeah, him, he, he did come back up the order. I was nervous when he fell, fell down to, I think, like seven, mm -hmm. eight, maybe. Like, man, this is, I don't know if he's going to be able to, to kind of make this up. He did, ended up P4, so good for him. That's good points, especially when his teammate doesn't get any. But, yeah, I don't know. It just seems like seems like there's, like, black clouds over Carlos specifically. Uh, you know, not necessarily just Ferrari, but, like, you know, Charles seems good. Carlos just seems like he always, he's, he's anxiety prone to me. I yeah, think. yeah, and I, I was reading some stuff about this, and, uh, it surprised me where the, so this Ferrari car does is like really well for, or really kind of leans into the oversteer compared to understeer. Uh, Leclerc does very well with understeer or Leclerc does very well with oversteer while vice versa signs does well with understeer. So I think it's partly the car that he's just working and having to like kind of fight through himself of, you know, getting under the, under getting his hands under this. And then, Hopefully, like, they can move a little bit around on the car to, like, kind of adjust to his preferences. But I, I noticed and was reading, and Carl had, Carlos had made some quotes about that as well, just saying, hey, this is just, this is something that I have to work with. This is not, like, something I'm, I'm typically strong with. I'll take a, an understeer, typically. But, so, yeah, I mean, hopefully on his end and the car's end and the, and the guys in the, and the guys in the garage can kind of fix that and come to, like, a happy meeting where he's actually comfortable behind the wheel. Yeah. All right, moving on to our number one spot for the first time. Yeah. For the first time this year. Red Bull with 195 points, Max Verstappen, P2 to P1, Sergio Perez, P5 to P2. So a 1-2 uh, lockout on the podium for them. Uh, I know you had mentioned this earlier, so we uh, would love to hear your take on this. Uh, the Perez team orders. Obviously, I was a little annoyed thinking that, hey, you know, give the give the fans. You're here for the fans. Give them a show. Like if something you know kind of goes wrong, you have enough buffer zone to get new tires in. You know, like be fine still with a one-two finish. I'm gonna hear your take. Yeah, I first of all let me start off with I agree. I think it looked soft from Red Bull being like, hey, like realistically, you have two drivers that yeah, Max is aggressive, but he's not gonna be so aggressive to his own teammate that he's gonna crash. So. I understand the concern that you might crash, but like you said in your good, bad, ugly, like you should let your drivers race, if nothing else, so that Sergio feels like he's not a direct number two. Like he, all signs probably point to that, but like he was obviously annoyed because of that. I thought it would have been the same result. Uh, you know, they were on different strategies. Max probably should have just like you know, go on the radio to Max if you're Red Bull and say, hey, pass him. Like he was, you know, something that I saw, I was looking at the Tamela. 
telemetry, uh, the telemetry um, right after uh, after the race. And Max was gaining on Sergio during that time. I think it was lap 46, no, 45, 46, 47, or 46, 47, 48, like one and a half seconds per lap. So he was like, he was chasing. He was yeah. going to catch him. Um, and that was with 17 laps to go. So, yeah, again, I think it makes sense from, or it's, sorry. So, yeah, it sucks from the viewing perspective. It makes sense from the, you know, team principal perspective. But I think overall, it's like you just you look soft at the end of the day. Let your drivers race. Yeah, it was either the first or second race that we I was giving a ton of credit to Alpine when uh, Ocon and yeah. Alonso were going after like multiple straights, multiple turns, like a couple laps. I th- I thought that was so entertaining, and a lot of people gave them a ton of credit for letting them do that. They were on the radio, I think, with Otmar, and he was like. <laughs> We're just gonna let him race, you know. And I, I love that. He seemed unsure that. about yeah, that. Like he was scared, he was like, but like I mean, he did. Yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm sitting him on the table. Let's do it, boys. Yeah. And I loved it. And that wasn't even a one-two battle. That was what, like six, seven, or something lower in the, the yeah. order. So I, I mean, that has to be a little bit more enforced. I feel like it's just like unless there is a technical issue or like it is unsafe for your team to do that. Like just, just let him race. Yeah. And speaking of Sergio, seemed like a very sneaky driver of the day pick. Uh, I mean, going from five to P, P5 to P2, obviously, um, Lewis making that mid-19, but down to five, uh, very impressive. But yeah, I mean, I thought he uh, he maintained that very well. And obviously, I, like, I would have picked Lewis, but I think like 1B is Sergio for that. Um, moving down, who's probably going to be, you know, 1C, Max, just kind of having a, like we said, a pretty easy second, you know, middle to, to second half of the race. Continuous streak with always getting a P1 when he actually finishes the race. Uh, even with going off the track at one point, just kind of lost the rear a little bit like Carlos did in a very similar spinoff. But yeah, I mean, like like we said for a lot of this year, pretty relatively easy day for Max. I think after Charles went down, it was pretty smooth sailing. So uh, yeah, just he's just kind of on a warpath right now. Yeah, it's going to be hard to stop him. It's like a pretty insane stat that like every time he sees a checkered flag, he's in P1. Yeah. It's a little bit of luck, I think, admittedly. Like, I think Charles could have easily broken that streak today, but since it didn't, it is impressive, and I'm happy for him. Yeah. Other thoughts. Alpha Terry has had a pretty tough go to the season. We have not talked about them too much because they have not been in the top five too much this year. But I think even more surprising is Yuki has almost doubled the amount of points as Gasly does. 11 points to Gasly's six. Damn. We, I mean, I know that's not a ton. And, like, one race could flip that pretty easily. But, I mean, Gasly has, I think, had one of the, the like, most surprising in a negative way seasons that we've had. Like, we were expecting him to maybe replace Sergio uh, next year. Like, all this hype around him. He's been doing so, like, kind of one of the best of the rest the last two seasons in a like underperforming AlphaTauri car, man. I mean, he's just—they don't even show him during the race. Like, I forget him. He's one of the most forgettable guys this year. Yeah, I agree. That's uh, that's crazy that he's almost got Gasly doubled after six races. Yeah. Um, and then uh, a couple other thoughts. If you are looking to actually like go to another race, um, you know, like out of the country, hey, let's go, let's go to Amsterdam, let's go wherever. Apparently, uh, maybe hold off from picking Barcelona. They um, had some pretty terrible fan experience actually, uh, that need some major improvements from for next year. The F1 boss actually wrote a hand 
written letter to the CEO of the Barcelona track saying, hey, there's some problems that we we both need to start addressing. Kind of a Damn. kick in the ass. So uh, I think traffic was absolutely terrible. Like they had no way, like from last year, the amount of people using the subways like over tripled from the year before. Just people stuck in the subway system, just a lot of issues that, yeah, they have to address. So maybe, you know, hold off until they get those settled before uh, heading out to Barcelona for a race. Dude, if that's the case, then thank God that they had a super exciting race in Spain. It usually is not the case. Yeah. And like the fact that, imagine having a horrible race and then having a horrible experience for everything around the race. Yeah. Well, it's like, great. Several hundred euros down the drain. Yeah. Took us six hours to get home and yeah. for what? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think actually my last thought for the race is, I know we talked a very, very, very little bit about Aston Martin. Vettel didn't have much of a chase in the actual race, so he, uh, I think he decided to take it onto the streets. He had his bag stolen, took matters into his own hands, started scootering throughout the city using the Find My iPhone app to locate his AirPods. So he was just scootering around being like, I'm gonna catch these motherfuckers, which is an absurd mindset to see like Seb. So he was like, what's he, what's he, do when he catches these guys being like hey hey you know is Dude. he gonna beat that uh, does Vettel have just some like secret badass little like John Wick John I th- Wick in him I think if we have learned anything about Sebastian Vettel it's that he's like a good enough guy that if he did catch him I think he'd sit all of them down explain what they all did wrong and I think everybody would leave a better person yeah that and he'd be like do you guys need some help like I, yeah. will, I will give you the help you guys need and then be like wow <laughs> Sebastian Vettel just cha- like saved the lives of five kids. Sebastian Vettel pays off <laughs> robber student loans in Spain. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that was interesting. He did not find the bag, but he did find the AirPods that apparently they saw. AirPods were like, probably can track us, ditched it. So he found those at least. So you know, he may, may, maybe 150 bucks he just saved. So good for him. Good job. Yeah. Congrats to uh, Sebastian Vettel for some off-the-track news. That does it for our race recap, and let's talk about our race haikus and and encapsulate the race. Let's do it. I'll start. My race haiku is another max win. Team orders take lots of heat. Stop the drone footage. Red Bull takes over. Russell is Merck's number one. Aston Martin dud. All right. Now moving on to our race predictions recap of the Barcelona GP. Pretty quick one. Uh, So, yeah, going into the weekend, Ian was up six to eight. I landed on who do we think will crash our DNF with Joe and uh, Paul with Charles. So I got two points this week. And my driver of the day prediction of Lewis Hamilton came through, so that's one point for me. Marco cutting the gap from two to one with him having eight points, me having nine points. So, yeah, I mean, good job. That's kind of a good win for you. Yeah, no, I felt like it could have been a lot better, but, uh, you know, I'll always take getting closer than further away. So. <laughs> Uh, all right, moving right along to our Grand Preview of the Monaco Grand Prix. But before we get to that, we do have an ad. So this part of the podcast is brought to you by Instasac. Instasac is a new technology providing amazing results to men across the world. Instasac will help you grow a pair and act like the man you are. 
few recent additions to the Instasac family are also a part of the Red Bull family. After last week's race, Christian Horner's lack of sack came towards the middle end of the race where he forced Sergio to go back off and let Loverboy Max pass without hesitation. Following that call, though, if Sergio had joined Instasac prior to the race, he would have said, Suck it, you Kendall. If Max wants this win, he's going to have to work for it. But unfortunately, he too did not have a meaty pair of clackers below the waist that day either. So all eyes will be on these two in Monaco to see if they are taking their recommended eight times a day supplement regimen for Instasac. Instasac, sack up with your sack down. Nice. Thanks, Instasac. I've been taking my eight supplements every single day, and my lord, <laughs> it's down down to my ankles. <laughs> yeah, knee knockers. Uh, just kicking them like hacky sacks. <laughs> All right, let's talk about our Grand Prix view, the Monaco Grand Prix. F1 has been racing here for over the past 56 years. It has been active since 1929. Uh, it is a 78-lap and just over 3.3-kilometer track. Very, very short track, hence the 78 laps that they have to complete. And it is one of the triple crown of motorsport races along with the Indianapolis 500 and the 24-hour of Le Mans. So, uh, I mean, it's just the coveted track in in Formula One by far. Uh, so this race is held on a very narrow course laid out throughout the beautiful streets of Monaco. Tons of elevation changes, tight corners, as well as a pretty cool tunnel, making it one of the most demanding tracks in Formula One. It's bumpy, it's tight, as Nelson Piquet said it best, it's like riding your bicycle in a living room. Uh, they have just, turn six is actually like the slowest turn in Formula One. In spite of its relatively low average speeds, Monaco Circuit is a very dangerous place just to, because there is absolutely no runoff. There's just super narrow tracks, involves usually a safety car most of the times that comes out. The only Grand Prix that does not adhere to FIA's mandated 190 mile minimum race distance for F1 races, so it's just basically like you're not going to you're not going to see a lot of fast cars. You're going to see a lot of moving, difficult turns, and just like I think the very cool part of of Monaco during the weekend. I try to like you know have a positive spin on it. The race isn't usually like super crazy, and we see a lot of uh, madness happen. But seeing the the onboard is extremely cool to me just to seeing like their their movements and like how the force of their turns having to go left to right right to left and then just like the small margin that you see of them millimeters mill yeah millimeters away from the wall i think those are like some of the most amazing i like areas of precision that you have to see because yeah you're an inch to the right and your crash safety car your your weekend's done Talking about a little bit about the history, Senna has the most wins with six, followed by, Grant, followed by Graham Hill and Michael Schumacher with five. Lewis has three. Alonzo and Vettel have two. 2019, Lewis won the race. Race was canceled in 2020, and then Max pulled it off last year with Carlos and Lando falling behind him. Lewis that week had a little bit of trouble qualifying seventh and ending the race in seven. So I think a little bit of interesting tidbit. The track does obviously, as we're describing, really small, like tough, is seems to mimic the country it's in. Monaco, the second the second smallest city in the world after the Vatican, a little less than a square mile with just wealth packed in. So I think that kind of the track is just like tiny, tiny track, tiny little, little country, a lot's going on. 
Uh, we have seen two drivers into the Mediterranean, actually. I don't know if you knew that. They were uh, popping out of the track and going, taking, yeah. taking, taking, a, taking, taking a little, little spill. Yeah. yeah, they were nice. like, those yachts look pretty fun out there. I'm going to admit. <laughs> two people flew into the Mediterranean, and then um, Kimmy actually hopped into the Mediterranean during the race. So <laughs> exactly. we can maybe add three. I don't two know. Two and a half. Yeah, two and a half for sure. Uh, passing is very rare. Sighting on this track that we had mentioned, high risk, high reward to be able to do so. In 2003, there were zero passing attempts in the entire race. That sucks. So hopefully hopefully that streak <laughs> continues from 2003 to now. That's so boring. That would be Imagine watching that race. That's a snoozer if I've ever heard of it. That is as much of a snoozer as you can imagine. So uh, yeah, that does it for the actual race itself. Talking about the weather. Friday's going to be a high of 80. I know we're a little early in the week, so things hopefully can change. Friday's a high of 81, partially cloudy. Saturday, high of 78, 40% chance of rain, possibly some lightning in the mix. And then Sunday, high of 71, 72% chance of rain. So, yeah, I mean, I think if we want to increase the odds of it not being an electric race, maybe some rain. I don't know. Maybe it's like maybe we see cars slipping off like crazy. Fingers crossed if it does you know, we just see a lot of spills. I yeah, like I mean, the I think the best you can root for at Monaco is just chaos. Yeah, like uh, and the best chaos is gonna, like at Monaco. The only chaos is going to come from people hitting the wall. So I think like yeah, I think you're you're spot on and seventy two percent chance of rain. Let's hope that goes up. <laughs> just downfall. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, that does it for our Grand Preview. And to finish off the episode, we have our race predictions. As we had mentioned a couple minutes ago, I have a score of eight to Ian's nine. I'll start her off with who do we think will crash her DMNF? I am going to go with I'm going to go with Carlos Sainz. I think a pretty easy guess would have been Charles Leclerc due to his issues in Monaco, but I'm going to take the other Ferrari driver just because while it's tough for Monaco, it is tough for 2022 for Carlos Sainz. Yeah, I'm actually going to take his counterpart and say Charles Leclerc. Okay. I think he already crashed the Lauda's car. I... No, he got out of the way. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> that was his crash. He's done. He's No more crashes. Now is going to be when he crashes in a real Formula One car, <laughs> a current modern-day Formula One car. So, yeah, put me down for Charles for uh, for crash or DNF. My winner, haven't picked him in three weeks. i got to say Max Verstappen on this one. Again, I don't see how anybody beats him with that car. Yeah, riding the hot hand, as some say. I'm going to go with... The guy that maybe deserves a chance at this, I'm going to go with Sergio. So I'm going to go with your counterpart. Okay, yeah. I like that. He got fastest lap uh, on Sunday. So, yeah, he's doing well. He's shown some improvements in the car. I, I, I want to give the, you know, the, the flipperoo where we see Horner says, hey, Max, scoot over, buddy. Yeah. See how well Max takes that. Well, really, you can't, you can't tell Sergio, like, on Team Warriors in Monaco. I think it's too difficult to be like, hey, pull over. So pull Max over. Do. He's like, dude, Come I, do a complete I cannot stop. do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> go over where the swimming pool is, basically. Uh, moving to last place, I'm going to go with Mick Schumacher. I'm going to go with Alex Albon. Um, he, I think he had some damage, but he was going slow. He yeah. was getting, he was getting like outperformed by Nick Latifi. And anytime that happens, I think it was just his car. But on the off chance that it is, is actually like a head problem, I'm, I'm going to try to ride that hand. So put me down for Albon. Uh, my driver of the day. I'm actually going to double down and go with Max Verstappen again. So I'm going to do one of those things where I lean all the way in. I think if whoever wins this race is probably going to get the driver of the day, yeah. right? Like yeah. I don't, I don't see how you can be like, oh, he had a an almost overtake. He had, yeah, 
Two passes. Yeah. Driver of the day. That's going to be incredible. Impressive. If someone pulls Double than everyone else. They deserve it. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, if you're going to you know wing it and put all your chips on the table, I think Max is a safe bet for that one. I'm going to go with Charles Clare. So I'm hoping he, he ends his, his nightmare at his home circuit. Love it. Our douche of the day brought to you by Summer's Eve. Douche of the day by your douche juice packs. I'm going to go with someone who has just... As we say, we're, I mean, you don't want to beat a dead horse, but I'm going to beat him for douche of the day. I'm going to go with Danny Rick. Damn it. Okay. I was going to go with Danny Rick <laughs> as well. Um, I think, yeah, this one's tough because you, you really have to be like, you really have to screw up to, to be this. Like, confidence if, has to be low. Like, right. And I think Danny is filled with no confidence. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I think somebody who also might be lacking in confidence is going to be Kevin Magnuson after not having like a real race in Barca. So put me down for K mag as my douche of the day. <laughs> my wild card prediction. It hasn't happened since 2003. I think you just said, uh, but I'm going to say that there are zero overtakes uh, at Monaco. I have never wanted more for you to be wrong about a wild card prediction <laughs> than this. And I hope you feel the same. I do. Like I would feel, I feel gross about being, being right about that. But uh, man, would that be? I, I mean, maybe the two points that is ridiculous. Uh, my wild card prediction is going to be, I'm going to say Ferrari retakes the lead. I think uh, we're going to need a DNF or a very pretty difficult uh, race from one of the Red Bull boys and a pretty high. I think they're up 26. So yeah, we're going to need, we're going to need probably a DNF. And then Ferrari boys do a pretty strong outing. All right. Fastest lap. I am going to double down similar to what you said. Winner, Sergio. I'm going to go fastest lap, Sergio. All right. I am also going to go. All of my chips are pushing. Oh, my God. For oh my God. If he goes out, watch him get COVID. <laughs> Just, no, no back to you. <laughs> Sorry. Who's their third? Who's their uh, reserve driver? I have no idea who their reserve driver Okay. Um, and then... Pole position, I would take Max, but I put him in there for last week. So I think I'm going to go with the uh, – I'm going to edge and say that uh, Sergio gets fast. He gets, gets pulled. Okay. Uh, I, I In a similar situation to you where I've used Charles, I'm going to go with his counterparty, Carlos Sainz. Like that. Yeah. All right. This is going to be exciting because I feel like this could be a big swing <laughs> in, in either direction. Yeah. But awesome. All right. There's our race predictions plus the Monaco Grand Preview. Getting it all done in one episode like the efficient little boys we are. Uh, anything else to wrap up this episode? Episode 61 of the Eden Asphalt Podcast? Nope. Just check us out on a couple of the yachts down in Monaco. We will be flying out there all expense trade uh, due to Summer's Eve. Shout out Summer's Eve for making this uh, this trip possible. But yeah, we'll be out there. Yep. And we will be looking like douches to pay tribute to Summer's Eve. Just big... Big, I know, like actual douches. Yes. <laughs> like they have the big zip up and everything. It's going to be sweet. <laughs> All right. Appreciate everybody for listening. See you, assholes. See you, assholes.